This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. And we're in Genesis three. And uh, remember yesterday, God asked Adam, he said, and who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? He asked him, have you eaten from that tree? Now, as an attorney, when I ask a question, I want the person who I'm asking the question to, to answer the question. And uh, I don't want them to obfuscate. I don't want them, I don't want them to, uh, to deflect and try to answer another question. That's a political move. That's a politician move. It's a, it's a method of not actually dealing with the issue at hand. And in all actuality, that's what we all do. We all deflect. We all don't want to actually look and see who we are and what we are in the sight of God, but also in the sight of ourselves. We don't want to see who we are separated and cut off. And so he said, he said, Adam, he said to God, he didn't say, yeah, I ate of the fruit. He said, the woman whom you gave to be me, to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Now, did Adam lie about that at all? No, there's not a lie in that. There's just a there's just a failure to take responsibility. There's a failure to take responsibility over what he'd been given, and there's a failure to take responsibility over what he had done. He had been placed in charge of the garden, so he was in charge of both everything in the garden, as far as the fruit of the trees, and just and when I say everything, I'm down. I'm saying everything down to the molecular level. He was in charge of everything. He was in charge of everything in the garden, and he was also given given himself, not Eve. He was given, before Eve was ever made from his side, he was given instructions about that tree. And it was his, it was his responsibility to not eat of the fruit of that tree. It was his responsibility to protect his wife from the serpent and from eating the fruit of that tree. It was his job. And he was right there in the midst of the conversation. And he did not fulfill his responsibility. And the reason he didn't fulfill his responsibility is because he wanted to eat the fruit of that tree also. He wanted to eat the fruit of that tree also. It's not, doesn't have anything to do with her. She's just a, a, she's just a good excuse for why he ate of it. He wanted to eat the fruit of that tree. He heard what Satan said. He wanted the same thing that Eve did. Eve saw the fruit of the tree. She desired it. She believed Satan that it was good for for wisdom, and she ate of that fruit of that tree. And Adam let her do it so that he would have a well, so that he would have a, an excuse why he ate. It. Here's the thing. I've said this many times. I say it all the time in 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 worship. Your excuse cannot be your wife. Your excuse can't be your children. Your excuse can't be your circumstances. In fact, let me say this. There are no excuses. There's only one way into the kingdom of heaven. There's only one gate in, and that's through Jesus. And nobody else gets to come along as your as your crutch in, in, in your dealing with God. 
You can't deal with God one-on-one and bring grandma to you, with you. I've always found whenever, and this is the truth in so many ways. When I have a client that's in trouble, a young man or young woman, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, oftentimes they will come to me and uh, for me to help them with their legal trouble. Uh, Almost exclusively, for sure. Every time they come by themselves, they mean business and they're going to get things done. They are. Sometimes when they come with other people, they mean business and they're going to get their lives straight and they're going to get things handled. Sometimes that's true. Absolutely. But, but every time that they come along, they come meaning business because they don't come with anybody else. They don't come with an excuse. They don't come with a reason. They come to deal with uh, what's happened and to get things straight of themselves. I'm going to say that as far as your dealings with God, you cannot use someone else as an excuse for it. And in fact, when you use someone else as an excuse for it, you preclude your, yourself from being helped fully. You can't help, be helped fully when there's reasons other people did certain things, other things were done, the, the police did wrong, it was a mistake, I didn't mean to do it, somebody else put me in this bad situation. And anytime you bring those excuses to the table, you limit the possibility of God actually bringing about good and great and wonderful and life-changing things in your life. He says He says here, the woman you gave me to be with me, notice, who is she? Who is he really blaming? He's not blaming the woman. You, he's not blaming the woman. He said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me a tree and I ate it. Notice, he's not blaming the woman. He's blaming God. He's blaming God. And there is no fixing that in the terms of you being completely made whole and completed. You you cannot, you, it is a barrier. It keeps you from becoming who you need to be when you blame someone else. So what does God do? He's realized Adam is in the position where he's in his own heart and mind is not in the right place to be totally fixed. So what does he say? He says, the, the, he says, and the Lord God said to the woman, okay, it's one of those things where you get the wrong answer from one, so you turn to the other to see if you can find the right answer from somebody. And God says, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? Okay, Adam won't take responsibility for the situation, so let's see if, let's see if, let's see if Eve will. Maybe she ought to be in charge. If Adam can't take responsibility, maybe Eve will. Notice, Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman took her cue from her husband. Eve took her took her cue from her husband. Let me tell you something. That happens more often than you think also. She doesn't take responsibility for it. She doesn't say, I shouldn't have done this. She doesn't say, this was a mistake on my part. She doesn't say, I, had, uh, I was in a situation where I didn't really know what to do, and I took it, and it's my fault. She didn't do that. What did she do? She turns and blames the serpent, and he, she says, the serpent, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Notice their answers are very curt and short, very curt and short. She gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate, and the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Notice, notice. now, she doesn't blame God. She doesn't blame God at all. She blames the serpent. She blames God's creation for it. She blames, you got to remember, the serpent was created by God. She blames her circumstances for it. Adam blames God. She blames her surroundings and her circumstances for it. And by the way, neither one of them gets you anywhere. Now, 
obviously God isn't going to say anything to the serpent in the sense of trying to get an answer from the serpent because he already knows who the serpent is. The serpent's character, the serpent's character and the serpent's will have already been revealed. We already know who Lucifer is. We already know who the devil is. And he is that great dragon, that great serpent from old. He is the deceiver of men. He's the uh, he is he is the father of lies. And there's no use in really dealing with the serpent in, in a negative way or any way uh, like that at all. He doesn't even he doesn't even address him in the sense of addressing him to get an answer from him. He just straight up goes at him, begins the process. Now notice he goes down the chain of command. He goes down the chain of command with the questioning. He's going to go up the chain of command with the curses and the consequences. Now, you need to understand this because this is a very important understanding from Scripture. The word curse in the Bible, we kind of think of voodoo, the voodoo doll, where somebody makes a doll and they hold you over fire, they stick pins in you, or they break you in two, or whatever, and they're cursing you. That's not what that's not what the biblical idea of curse is. Curse is a bondage, a binding. Curse means that rather than being free to be and become all that you were made to be, you're bound up and you're limited and you're cut off from uh, from being the very best that God made for you. And the idea of a curse, when I think of a curse, is I think of somebody who's, you, the funny way to think of a curse is those old, uh, those old black and white films, some of those old silent films where, where the evil person takes the, uh, the woman and he ties her up head to toe, wraps her in rope so that it looks like she's like in a cocoon of rope and he lays her on the train tracks for the train to run over her. That is what I think of as a curse. I think of you being totally bound to where you cannot move. And then on top of those, on top of those ropes that have wrapped you up, there's chains all around you. I also think of, I think of Marley in, in A Christmas Carol when he comes and meets with Scrooge, the first, the first ghost of Christmas past. He's the ghost of Christmas past. And he's carrying all these chains wrapped around him. He's got all these giant heavy metal boxes that carry his, they carry his greed with him. But what that's really a picture of is the bondage of sin, the curse of sin, because it binds you. Sin binds you up. Sin sin controls you and it holds you in place. And so that you, you really do struggle with having God's best because you cannot reach out and get it. You can't move. And that's what a curse does. And and sin always causes binding up. It always causes you to be limited. It always causes you to be set apart and placed in a position where you cannot, sometimes you cannot even see and hear, but but many times you just cannot, you can't even move. You're paralyzed by the curse. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, and he didn't even question it. He just said, I know you've done it. You are cursed. Notice he didn't question the serpent either because the serpent wasn't going to give him an answer. He questioned Adam and Eve because he has a plan for Adam and Eve to be redeemed. The serpent's not going to be redeemed. There's not a questioning of the serpent. Him dealing with Adam and Eve is is him asking, him seeking, and him trying to find their character in their heart. And more importantly, their answers show to them their own character in their own heart. And so down the road, that will have great consequence for them and great, great understanding for them. The serpent, he doesn't even care about what he's got to say. He doesn't even desire to even hear from him because there isn't any changing going to take place. When God deals with you, he deals with you under the understanding that he is going to bring about change. 
When God speaks to your heart, you need to understand that God's in the process of making a difference in your life. And you need to take that lightly. God is dealing, when God is dealing with you, he's dealing with you for great reason and great purpose. And when he's speaking to you, he's speaking to you for great reason and great purpose. He says, because you've done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. Notice he said, because of the serpent, you're totally cursed more than anybody. And he says, on your belly, you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And I take that literal. If I see a snake anywhere, I don't care what kind of snake it is. I have have enmity with them. They're my enemy. And uh, I seek to destroy them. And I'm good at it. I'm really good at it. I'm, I'm excellent at it, in fact. And so he says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And that is a picture of Christ crushing the power of the serpent because the head is the authority. It's the power of the serpent. That is a prophecy of God. Really what it is God revealing his plan for the future. He says, I'm going to put enmity between you and the seed. Notice Satan thought, that when Adam and Eve sinned, that they would now be under his power and his control, but they're not under his power and his control. We don't chase after the will of Satan. We chase after our own will, which is not any better, but it's, 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 it's a, it's a misunderstanding of God and his creation by Satan. When he got Adam and Eve to sin, when he enticed them to sin, he believed them to follow under his influence and his power. But the truth is mankind has always chosen to worship who he wanted to worship. Each and every individual has. And and the serpent is not the one who is controlling that. Man is. And so there's enmity between man and the serpent. And the serpent is not someone that is naturally sought out by man seeks out his own will and his own way. And so there is an enmity between us. And that enmity is going to be finalized in the seed of woman crushing the serpent's head. What that means is the seed of woman is going to destroy the power of Satan on the earth. She is she is going to bring about through her line, through her seed, she's going to bring about the destruction of the kingdom of the enemy. It says to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrows and your con- and your conception. Notice her curse deals with her children. It deals directly with childbirth and not only childbirth, but it deals with the raising of children. And as well as I do, that raising children is difficult. It's difficult for the male and the female. But the truth is, it's more difficult for the female because, and I hate to say this, it's not always more true in one situation than the other. But the truth is, is that the female is more emotionally attached to the children than the male is. And almost exclusively. Now, there are situations, and I've definitely seen situations where the female was not emotionally attached to her children, and the male was. That's that's because of the uniqueness and the wonder of God's creation. There are men who are very emotionally attached to their children, far more emotionally attached than the mothers. But in general, for the most part, most of the time, the woman is more emotionally attached to the children and her pain in life oftentimes revolves around the uh, troubles and the difficulties of her children. He says, in pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Notice notice that that is going to be one of the things that, that is a curse for the woman is that she was made to be uh, alongside the man. And now, and I can go into the psychological here in, in depth, 
But I always say to any young female that's dealing with a male, I say, I always say this, and you shouldn't have sexual relations with them before you get, but when you do, the moment you have sexual relationships with a man, you are saying to him that he is okay and he's perfect as he is. And you're placing yourself under his authority. And I know in the culture that we live in, uh, people don't want to hear that. And the society doesn't want to hear that. But that has been proved out over the thousands and thousands of years of uh, men being on the earth. And those you say, but we're progressing past that. No, we're not progressing. If people say human history is about man progressing. No, it's not. No, it's not. The last century saw man slaughter more men in war and in the world than, than any other century in human history. So we're not progressing at all. We're digressing. We're falling back. Uh, this year, of the children conceived in this world, somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to 40% of them will be killed in the womb. And most of it will be done in countries where it is actually legalized. And some of them, like the United States, where the country pays for it. We have wholesale slaughtered each other, and we are wholesale slaughtering our children at a degree that is unparalleled in human history. We are not progressing. That is not progressing. We are digressing as humans and as society. Just because we can make machines that go to other planets doesn't mean that we're progressing as society. We're not progressing. We're digressing. We're falling back. We're leaving what we were made for, and we're chasing after our own desires and our own heart. He says, he says, and so a woman, when this happens, she came under the man. To Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it because you listen to your wife. He says, because you listen to your wife. And I told you, he said, you had a choice between what I told you and what your wife told you. And you chose what your wife told you. And that's important because who's the one got the instruction not to eat the fruit of the tree? Wasn't it? Eve wasn't even made yet. It was Adam. So Adam was responsible because, first of all, God had told him personally not to eat of it. And second of all, because he'd listened to her over God. He said, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Now, I'm going to tell you that this is true of me. Men care more about their jobs oftentimes than their family. Men place more emphasis and more personal satisfaction in their position as an employee or an employer in what they do each and every day than they do over their family. I'm not saying that's a good thing. But I'm telling you, that's a part of the curse. A part of the curse for a woman is that most of the curse for a woman is that she's going to be emotionally attached to her children and her children are going to be a heartache for her. And her husband's going to be a pain because he's going to rule over her and she's not going to like it because, because she gave him the fruit of the tree. For a man, he's going to suffer and toil trying to find identity in what he does as a person, as a human being on the earth. Both thorns and thistles shall bring forth for you, meaning all the work of his days is going to bring more pain and suffering, and you shall eat of the herbs of the field. He says, in the sweet and the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till, till you return to the ground. Notice, you're going to work the ground. You're going to work out there in the world and eat and gain what you eat. You're not going to be able to just have it come to you for free. Those of you who are trying to sell that we can have a society <clears throat> where nobody works and everybody is blessed, is a fool's errand at the very best. I can call it a lot worse than that. He says basically that man's going to have to labor and work in order to survive. 
And the labor and work is oftentimes going to be unproductive and oftentimes going to be very destructive. And so he says, he says, both thorns and thistles, it shall bring for you forth for you and you shall eat of the herbs of the field. He says, he says, till you return to the ground for out of it, you were taken. Notice God says, I formed you out of the dust of the ground and for dust you are and to dust you shall return. What, and that is the ultimate curse of sin is that the ultimate result of sin is physical death. <clears throat> and that physical death has been tasted by all of humanity throughout time since Adam and Eve were in the garden. Death is a certitude of life. It's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. And death is a death is assured. Death is planned and known by God. He says, I've numbered your days past which you cannot go. God has planned out your life even to the very end. And the death of his saints is sweet before him because ultimately it leads to the fullness of the kingdom that he's made you for. But Adam called his wife name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics and skins of clothes for them. And we're going to deal with that next week. And we'll talk about how God covers our sin. But ultimately, those are the curses that God gave in Scripture. And, and it is a, an interesting passage. If it's, if, if, of all things, it's a very interesting passage to deal with. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.